Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach, talking New York Mets with MLB.com's Mets beat reporter, Anthony DeComo. We have exactly two games to go on, so it is hardly fair, but... uh, it's New York, and so we don't really worry about fair or waiting till all the results are in. Uh, nine at bats. What have you seen from David Wright so far? Well, he he, he has his power back. That that seems abundantly clear from the first swing he took, which he parked in the second deck at Citizens Bank Park. And you're right; you can't draw too many conclusions from nine at bats, but. There was a significant worry, uh, especially when, when people saw what Wright had done in his rehab assignment in the minors. This is in Class A ball, and while he hit 321, there was no power at all. It was all singles. Um, so I think there was definitely a little bit of concern that you know the power wouldn't come back. This is a guy who hasn't hit for a ton of power uh, in his career once he got through those 06, 07, 08 years. Um, so one swing, I think, does say a lot in terms of because it wasn't just one normal swing. This was one one pretty uh, dramatic, pretty powerful swing. And the fact that he still has that somewhere in him, even if we only see it every once in a while, uh, you know, I think I think leads me to believe it and provides a little bit of a safety net with the thought that you know this guy can still be that player. Now, how often can he be that player? I don't know. The Mets don't know. Uh, you know, he's not going to play every day at first, so that's going to limit him at the start. He's probably not going to play every day for the remainder of the season. Um, now, once you get into the playoffs and you have off days worked into there, I think uh, they'll find a way to play him almost every game, if not every game. Um, but look, this is a player who's, who has his flaws, obviously. There, there's a lot of swing and miss in his game. There always has been. There always will be. Uh, defensively, he has not looked good so far through two games. Uh, but the lift that he provides is unlike the lift that any other player really could give the Mets, and that home run was one of the more dramatic things I've seen in a pretty dramatic season for the Mets. So uh, I think the team will take it at this point and, and go from here and, and hope he can continue to produce for them. Is it fair to say that the most predictive piece of data we have yet on right is that they have played three games since he's been back and he's been in two of them? Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty fair to say, um, and, and that's what it's going to be at first. It's going to be two on, one off, three on, one off, 
uh, they'll try and work it so that you know he's not missing many games against left-handed pitchers, which he crushes and has always crushed. Uh, but you know, there, there's no magic formula for this. They're going to talk with David Wright daily, and by them I mean the manager, uh, the coaching staff, the physical therapy staff, training staff, all of that. everyone's going to have input in this. Uh, and David Wright, who has been notoriously dishonest throughout his career, and I don't mean that in a bad way because it's just the type of competitor that he is, but has been notoriously dishonest about how he's felt, uh, when he's needed a day off, things like that, uh, really, you know, for the first time in his life, has to be honest and has to tell them if there's even a twinge, if there's a tiniest little thing that's affecting him, uh, because, you know, this is a condition, again, that, that is not very common for baseball players. Uh, you're talking about a back problem. It, it, it could have serious future implications if he ever suffers a setback. So they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that doesn't happen. This guy's still, uh, you know, forget about this season for a second. This guy's still under team control through 2020 to a huge contract. Uh, the Mets need him. They need him to be more than a bench player. They need him uh, eventually to get back to playing every day or something pretty close to it. So, yeah, it's going to be very tightly managed. Um I think the fact that the Mets have built up a little bit of a division lead here certainly helps uh, that they don't feel like they have to rely on this guy. And, you know, on the same side of that coin, the fact that they have other guys who are producing at that position helps that they don't necessarily have to rely on this guy every day. I, I think David Wright realizes that. I think for the first time in a long time, probably since about 08, uh, he doesn't feel like he has to be the guy in the middle of the lineup. And I think all of that's going to help as they try and keep him healthy, and sit him regularly down the stretch. Elsewhere in the infield, uh, it is interesting to me, and it, it's always interesting to me what the Mets do with a big announcement and what they do quietly, and you just notice it's happening. Wilmer Flores playing shortstop regularly again, as far as I know, is in the latter category. Um, how did they kind of land on that, and uh, how is he looking? Well, when the Mets made all these trades and, and, and you know, totally revamped their offense, I remember talking on this podcast and saying, I think the guy who's going to suffer in terms of playing time is Wilmer Flores. Uh, Tejada was playing pretty well at the time. Flores was, I mean, he had that, obviously, uh, the, that big game where he, you know, where he cried and then a couple of days later hit the walk-off homer, but, um, you know, by and large, he hadn't done a whole lot for the Mets. And since then, he's really caught fire. He hasn't played every day, um, which maybe has helped in some sense. But he, he's been a pretty consistent presence offensively. Um, and again, the Mets are still operating under this system where if you hit, you're going to play. Well, Wilmer Flores has hit. He's been well over 300 uh, since that time, since that night when he thought he was traded. Um, he's hitting with power. He's essentially doing all the things offensively that the Mets hoped he would do in April, May, and June. Um, and, you know, whether he had failed to do those things because he was struggling defensively, because he felt pressure, uh, maybe just because he was so little inexperienced, we all forget at this level, uh, it's hard to say. But he is producing now. And I'm not going to sit here and say this is, this is who he is now and he's going to be this star offensively. I think the Mets still hope that for him and, and think it's his ceiling and as long as he continues producing he's going to play more often than Tejada because I don't think anyone doubts that he has he has a higher offensive ceiling um, but yeah quietly he's settled in at shortstop I think the hitting has taken some pressure off his defense I know that's kind of the 
uh, cliche storyline, but but you know everyone says it's true with this guy, and as long as he continues doing it, he's going to continue playing because he's he's just one of a number of guys who are making this offense chug on a nightly basis now. Let's talk about the the rotation. Some you know we've talked an awful lot about. Uh, innings limits and all of this kind of thing, and and uh, you know one of the things that that came up was that look, the, the you know the the skipping of Matt Harvey. I believe we talked about this last week with Wayne Randazzo. The skipping of Matt Harvey. He was on board in this case because he was maybe actually getting a little worn down. And the reason I mention that is that. You look at Noah Syndergaard's results recently, uh, and some of the peripherals look very good, but he's allowed eight home runs in his last five starts. Um, one, it's sort of a two-parter. One, do you think that's indicative of anything, or is that just something that happens? And two, uh, given that and just given the whole big picture, should we expect to see him get a little breather here sometime soon? Yeah, I think you're definitely going to get a breather for Noah Syndergaard. Uh, they're probably going to wait until the next road trip because Syndergaard's home road splits have been so extreme uh, that they don't want him to skip a start at home. Um, but they are because he's coming up on his innings limit the same way that Matt Harvey is, and it should uh, just be one skip start uh, combined with well, you're probably going to see a six-man rotation when Steven Matz comes back, and that should be enough to keep him uh, sort of in the safe zone for the Mets going forward. Um but, yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, I would say Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard have demonstrated fatigue in different ways with Harvey. The results have still been there, but you see the velocity is a little down. You see some of those advanced metrics are a little down for him from where you expect. And part of that's a change in approach where he's not trying to strike everybody out all the time. He's trying to generate ground balls and generate outs earlier in at-bats. The production for Harvey never really tailed off except for that uh, one bad stretch in late May, early June. Uh, Syndergaard, on the other hand, uh, has struggled a little bit. Uh, you know, He got the win this week in Philadelphia, but didn't pitch his best, gave up a couple of homers. I know a couple of the runs were unearned, but he didn't exactly pick his defense up in that scenario. Um, you know, He struggled a little bit, and I would say you know, the rest will probably help for him, and I'm going to be interested to see how he comes out from it, because this is a guy who, if he continues struggling into September, then all of a sudden you've got a pretty significant body of work of struggle for a rookie pitcher, and and you start wondering, is this guy going to be in our playoff rotation? Do we want to put him in the bullpen instead? Things of that nature. Um, So if it is fatigue, I think the Mets would love to see that and would love to see him come back strong in the second half of September. Uh, But we'll find out because, like I said, he'll probably be skipped real soon. Uh, I would say that, that road trip in the second week of September, uh, you can look for another Logan Verrett start who pitched very well in, in place of Matt Harvey last week. The idea of turning Syndergaard loose for four or five or six outs in the postseason is just utterly terrifying. But uh, uh, you had a piece last night addressing something that's fairly clearly an issue. Um, the the addition of Eric O'Flaherty was kind of an interesting flyer. Give it a shot. He's a guy who was quite good a few years back. Um, but it hasn't worked, and that means that they still don't really have that guy who gets lefties out. Um, who, if anybody, is going to be that guy down the stretch uh, in October if they get there? Is there somebody in-house, or is, is there still an external move needed over the next few days? It's, it's a great question, and it's something the Mets have wrestled with really since spring training. Um, you know, Josh Edgen was supposed to be that guy. He had Tommy John surgery. Jack Levisich was a nice-looking 
lefty relief prospect. He had Tommy John surgery. Jerry Blevins fractured his arm twice. Uh, he's the only one really who's had success in that role. Um, you know, you've had a couple of lefties, Alex Torres, Sean Gilmartin, who aren't really specialists, who actually have reverse platoon splits. Um, so just go down the list. No one's really worked out. And, and they picked up Eric O'Flaherty, hoping he could be that guy. He, he has not been that guy. Uh, unless he turns it around quickly, I don't see him being the answer in October for the Mets. Um, so, yeah, while, while they could go out and make a move, and, and it wouldn't shock me, uh, I do think they're looking hard at some of their internal options. Um, and I wrote about this last night. Dario Alvarez is, is a guy who's been up before briefly. Uh, he's had a lot of success in the minors this year. He's already on the 40-man roster. He'll be up as soon as rosters expand in September. Um, do you give that role to a guy who's that untested? I don't know. Uh, you know, the same issue applies with Josh Smoker, a former first-round pick, who's also had a lot of success, but he's never pitched above Binghamton. And, and I find it hard to believe the Mets would both put him on the 40-man roster and then ultimately on the playoff roster, uh, you know, as, as the solution. Uh, the most intriguing name in all of this by far is Steven Matz, who is very close now to returning to the big leagues. Uh, and, you know, you talk about Syndergaard for four, five, six outs, whatever it might be in the postseason picture, Steven Matz coming in for one batter to face Adrian Gonzalez or, or whoever it might be. I mean, that would be pretty devastating. Of course, the trade-off is Stephen Matz has just been dynamite as a starting pitcher at every level he's been at, including his rehab this year, um, and would be a great option for you in the rotation, especially if Noah Syndergaard is struggling. So uh, the Mets are going to have to weigh that. Uh, I think, obviously, Matz would be the best option, but you're trading off a lot there. And if Syndergaard is struggling and Matz you know, is going to be that fourth starter for you in the, ro- in the playoff rotation, and I don't think that's a... You know, you're not going to trade five, six, seven good innings for one out. So it's something the Mets are going to keep an eye on. Certainly the rest of this week as we get to the waiver trade deadline and certainly in September, uh, you know, can O'Flaherty turn it around and be that guy or do they have to start looking at these options B, C, D, and E because this has been a problem that they have struggled with all season long. All right. Well, Anthony DeCombo, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.